the theme for the evening talk is moving towards. Sometimes we uh, uh, stop in the midst of things and it gives us the opportunity with our life to uh, look at and take a second look at what we might be moving away from and also, of course, what we might be moving towards. And between the movement away from and the movement towards, there's some middle ground, middle space where you and I can uh, centre ourselves and in being centred, then we have the chance and the opportunity more clearly to see those two primary kind of movements in our life. Movement towards and the movement away from. And since this goes on, in fact, with every step we take, every time we just take a normal step in, in any circumstance that you and I are in, it's a step towards and and in the very taking a step towards anything we're also in that very moment taking a, a step away from where we were and what was before us. So there's our life go, going on taking steps one step uh, at a time and physically and metaphorically going towards, going away from, going towards. And sometimes it's rather necessary, of course, to move away from, and sometimes it's necessary to move towards. And you and I in our day-to-day life notice these priorities uh, are taking place. And there's rather... Um, uh, uh, both as a fact and a, rather as an interesting uh, metaphor. And some of you may have been to uh, a place in uh, southern England, uh, which I know uh, fairly well from my youth, called Beachy Head. And there's a, a lighthouse there. It's on the south coast of England. It's just outside of Eastbourne and is rather a a popular spot for people to take Sunday afternoon uh, walks uh, along. And some of the coastline there has been crumbling, and right near the the cliff uh, edge, there's some uh, buildings, cottages, which have been used for the lighthouse person. Uh, there and rather since these old cottages rather than let them gradually uh, slip into the sea they, the local government brought in the, um, some whatever it is structural uh, engineers and they're actively in the process uh, this week of they lifted this house off the ground moved it away from the crumbling edge of the cliff and on um, metal rollers with grease on, moved the uh, building another 200 metres or something inland. 
to move it away from the, the crumbling cliff. It gives a whole new meaning to moving house. And, and so sometimes our life, metaphorically, can be uh, like that. That we find ourselves in life in various uh, circumstances and there is enough awareness and uh, presence in life that we need to make a change. We need to shift. We need to act. And we experience uh, in various ways and in various degrees sometimes being too close to that crumbling uh, 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 edge. And so we might say that in such activities or such decisions we are moving away from something which is unsatisfactory, which is unwise, unhealthy or whatever, and towards something which is more safe or, or secure or workable, whatever. These kind of decisions in our life are regular and a, a, a feature, but they all have a certain common ground which goes with them. And that common ground which goes with them, and such an important one as well, is the fact and the act of awareness. It's the awareness of ourselves as human beings, giving attention to our existence and having some genuine sense of where it is and what kind of ground are we on, so to speak. <coughs> in this um, movement of our, uh, of our uh, inner life, sometimes the decisions come from within ourselves. We've been in a relationship, whatever uh, it might be. We feel that the period of, of time has uh, come to a closure, whatever that period of time might be. And then we say, uh, decided to move on for all the various uh, motives and intentions that can arise when we decide to move on. And that can be personal relationship or relationship with a group or a relationship with an area, or with a job, or with a retreat centre, or whatever it might be. So there can be a period of time in which we are with something, we come to a closure uh, with it, and we decide to move on. And therefore, leaving something behind and moving on to something else. But, that also has a certain whatever, aroma of privilege about it. We are in such a situation, we are in such a relationship, out of our self, out of consideration or reflection or disturbance or dissatisfaction, whatever it is, we move on. But sometimes we are not in the privileged situation and therefore our life is affected noticeably because someone else says au revoir, I'm moving on, or whatever. And quite often, in the relationship, the immediate thought that arises when another 
uh, moves on, whoever, whatever, that the view often arises, it is easier for the one who makes the decision and it is harder for the one who is on the receiving end of the decision. This is the common interpretation. Well, he told me to leave, or I told him to leave, or her to leave, or, or whatever. And it seems that the, uh, the easier situation is for the one who makes decisions. But anyone who has ever look, looked at themselves, uh, or and listened to others, may well find out that it's just as difficult afterwards for the one who decides as for the one who is on the receiving end of the decision. And sometimes the one who decides, and I've listened to the tears enough to fill the river Ganges of people who ended something and then deeply regretted it. And so sometimes life is easier to be on the receiving end because one says, well, at least I didn't make the decision. It's not my fault. I would have carried on. I would have maintained this relationship or whatever. So sometimes our ordinary way of looking at a situation and the dynamics of it and sometimes the, the, the distress and difficulty may not be the way things really are. So sometimes we, we take up a view, we think it's like this, making decisions is it's better than to be on the receiving end. But sometimes in the dynamics of things, it's easier for one or easier for the other or difficult for one or difficult for the other. Nothing in this world of movement and process and activity is quite so simple. So sometimes we look at things in this being with and not being with in extraordinarily personal terms. This happened to me, I did this to so-and-so, extraordinarily personal terms and the anguish, the pain, the hurt, the the disappointment or whatever is also all perceived Extraordinarily personally, understandably. But to go a little bit deeper with things in the movement that goes on, there's just change going on. There's just activity going on. There is just coming together and going apart going on. And sometimes it's difficult and sometimes the simple truth of things stand out a little bit more. We actually can have a connection and a relationship with people and situations where the coming and goings together can be part of the dynamic of what we see and understand. People come together, people go apart. People come together, people go apart. And in the acknowledgement of that, There can be love, trust, connection, warmth, support. But when we can't acknowledge that in life, the problem seems to arise with possessiveness, 
withholding, with jealousy, something's going on which is distorting the movement of human beings or two human beings or a human being relationship to another situation which distorts the movement that's going on. So the, the willingness to stop and to be, to be still and to listen to the events inside of us part of the practice and part of our understanding is that in all human life relationships it's a constant coming together and going apart and since part of the teaching keep reminding us of this that when we're with a person we are with him or her or them or us or whatever and when the dynamic of that is over I'm not talking in absolute terms I'm talking in the here and now sense then a new situation arises we've moved on from that and then it's a challenge and a necessity to be with the fresh situation and we've had people on retreats <coughs> And one particular example of what comes to mind. The people had been together for uh, years and years and the partner told me that they, in I think it was 10 or 11 years, I'm not quite sure, had never gone a day without seeing each other. people who live like this, it's quite remarkable. And every single day they saw each other. And so it was extraordinarily difficult for one of them to go on retreat because the other one didn't want to go. And therefore there was a fear that in moving out of that in that period of time the retreat and the meditation process and practice couldn't possibly work because there would be nothing but holding and longing and wanting to be with that person who one had been with for however many years it was and therefore in just one day it was a weekend retreat actually it was hardly a three month retreat That in just being away, sometimes from something or someone or whatever that we have a relationship with, a connection with, it prevents us moving on. It prevents us from exploring and and generating interest and connection and seeing things, seeing things afresh. And so, when we are with terms of here and now practice and connected as much as humanly possible the tremendous challenge is to be totally with and when we're not with we are not with that doesn't deny affection, respect, connection ethical matters or whatever 
But sometimes in life we see, we through the roles and identities that we have, it's very hard to settle into a fresh situation, to be really fresh for a new situation that's taking place, because the roles and identities are so strong and having such an impact. Many people come and retreat and will say, you know, it take, usually takes me two or three days to settle in on a retreat, to settle into a retreat. What does that mean? On a three-day retreat? <laughs> it means that just in the time of arriving, we're doing may all beings be happy in one's departing. So sometimes there's this carrying and the carrying aspect from the past prevents us, acts like, a, as a psychotherapist would say, acts like a shadow over the present and that has some impact and influence on our energy, on our vitality, on our awareness, on our presence, on our being centred or whatever. And so sometimes, teachers regularly say, in the day, what about practicing as though it was one's last day on this earth? I mean, if it was one's last day on, on, this, on this earth, then certainly it's hardly likely one would be talking about it takes me two or three days to settle in. There'd be a whole different kind of focus and vitality and, and energy. <coughs> so, as I say, in looking in the movement of life, is there carrying from what was to what is? And teachings are saying about travelling in a centred way, but also equally very, very lightly through this world. In other words, not carrying. In stopping between moving away from and um, moving, moving towards, sometimes the movement, as it were, is too quick for our own good too quick for our own good. And we forget one of the important aspects and values of the, the process of meditation. And what I've got in mind here is when something, whatever it could be in life, comes to its end, one being in work or whatever in the situation, and then the company decides to use the buzzword called downsizing these days and or whatever it might be. And one finds oneself, you know, out of work or out of out of a situation. And how very quickly uh, an increasing number of people have this experience, how very quickly fears and anxieties begin to arise, humanly enough. And having just moved out of a situation and I remember here at Gaia House, the personnel manager for a large co uh, corporation who came on uh, a retreat. He, he, he didn't have the nerve to tell the staff 
and the directors he was going on retreat he just told them he was going on holiday for a week in Devon but he was actually here and halfway through the retreat because he has to leave his number because one's not allowed to be completely free and halfway through the retreat they rang him to bring him back to London to call in some of the middle management to make them redundant. That was his job. So they wanted him out of, the, out of here. They rang here. And dutifully, the man went back to London to call certain people into his office, since he was the personnel manager, and to tell them, we are very sorry, the company no longer needs your services. Pretty nasty job to have to do. So sometimes in a situation, as I say, where work is out or whatever, and one has a love for it, a connection for it, very easily in that ground of, and challenge of being steady and centred between, we find ourselves rushing very, very quickly into something new. And all the reasons for that arise, oh, I've got the mortgage to pay, I've got the family uh, to support, I've got the visa card to pay off, or whatever it might be. But, could it be, despite the difficulties of moving away from and moving towards, that somewhere in that middle ground there is something important which is occurring for us, in which one of the roles and identities that we have in life is taken away. We can't imagine, my God, I've got no identity. I've, I've, I've lost my role, I've lost my job, myself, I'm so wrapped up in my work. My life is my work. Oh, this is a tragic statement. <laughs> and I'm so involved of the self in something that when it, the self doesn't have something, it can feel extraordinarily lost. Extraordinarily lost. Does it have to be? Do we have to view change of role or change of identity or something changing as a loss of something? And sometimes there's an opportunity for another level of understanding which is kind of knocking on the door of our consciousness. And we can't see it because of the waves of, oh my God, I've got, must get back into. So this middle ground between what was and what will be, or what might be, is an extraordinarily fertile area and has extraordinary potential for all of us. And therefore, in that, if we can carry our roles and our functions and our identities lightly in it, perhaps there's the opportunity to sense something else which is not of self. Perhaps there's a chance for us to have a sense of something else which is not just of me and my and all the self 
which goes with it. When they interviewed the foreman of this, this house-moving exercise from the edge of the cliff at uh, Beachy Head, the reporter said to him, in, is there any risk in doing this? And they said, oh yes, there's some risk. Because if you move it, you might displace the earth even more. And there is a very small possibility that the whole thing could collapse. That's the risk. So sometimes, when we look at ourselves, and we look at uh, the steps uh, that, we, that we take or we need to take in that movement away and the movement towards, sometimes it, it requires from us some risk. And the kind of risk that we explore and take, maybe that sometimes we want to do something very significant or very dramatic or uh, extraordinary, and we can have great ideas and fantasies about what would it be like to. And then we sit on our meditation cushion and we happily indulge for 45 minutes. Or, as long, or until the knee pains come back. In the, what it would be like to. So there's some wish to be out of the old self. There's some wish to create a new one. And it has the what if message going along with it. Then the knee pain comes back, or the bell rings, or one smells the sweetnesses of lunch brewing up or, or whatever. And then this lovely storyline which has been created just kind of fades away, etc. Sometimes in making, where we looked at ourselves carefully, are looking at ourselves carefully, and we say, I need to make a change in this direction. And we know that change is wise, is important, is necessary. <coughs> One of the things which will stop us from making the change is making and thinking in terms of big steps and big leaps. It's the method the mind uses not to change. That's what it does. It makes it say, oh, I really would like to be. <coughs> anyway, I just gave a, uh, a retreat <coughs> and the young woman said to me, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, I want to be a, um, a writer. <coughs> you know, those of you who, who uh, write, some of us, and people like myself, um, write books which are at the top of the least sellers list. And, and people forget. You laugh, it's true. Uh, one of the Dharma friends checked up on Amazon. Some of you may have heard of Amazon. <coughs> I thought it was a place in South America, but apparently it's not any longer. It's a huge warehouse 
with about two and a half million books in it on which you get on the web. And he said his Dharma book, which is sold more than mine, was currently 70,000th in the best-selling list. So, anyways. <laughs> so, this uh, young woman said to me, now, I constantly want to write. I really just, really want to write. I get these incredible ideas and I have these stories from my life and what I've done and where I've been and lots of raw material. I really want to put it down on paper. I know I can do it. And I had what she called an Ivy League education, which is apparently a decent education. And just want to do it. So I said, how much have you done? Oh, I haven't started. But I really want to write. And I said, well, why don't you start? Why don't you just get, get, get going? She said, well, I really try. I want, I want to get going. But every time I think of how much time it's going to take, and how long it will be to write one short story or even a, a, a novel or a whole book. So I just, every time that thought comes, I just can't face all that time ahead. So I don't do it. So the mind has the energy, has the idea, but then has made it problematic as a way of not responding. Making it a problem keeps the current status quo, which means to do nothing. So, I said a fairly simple thing. That's not, not too fairly, but I said to her, so if you want to stay on the rest of this retreat, you've got to write at least three or five hundred words every day. Oh no, I can't do that. I could never do that. I said, I said, good to stay, do the retreat. You keep telling me you want to write. So, all you've got is today, there's no tomorrow, it's all a pipe dream. You've just got today and you write. I said, I'm not at all interested in what, what you, what you uh, write, but you just come every couple of days and just tell me that you're doing it. And she went away mad as hell with me. <laughs> and thought about it, but actually started. And each day, she did her prescribed quota of words, started putting it down on, something down on paper, and got something going, and got it moving, got it underway. So, in the process, as I say again, of going from what was to what is to what could be or might be, part of the knowing and working with ourselves is to see that process which is going on, to see where we are uh, in it all, and to see in the movement whether or not we're making a problem as a way of not acting. And sometimes we do that. In the inner movement from the uh, inner towards the and in the, in the very uh, process of things, 
the con- constant relationship we have with existence is, of course, tremendous preoccupation in our life between the past, the present and the future. Consciousness, our mind, runs up and down between these three areas and our relationship to each one of those areas. And in that we say, there is A, whatever A is, where I am or where I was, and I wish to reach point B, wherever that might be. And from A to B, in the, that, if I wish to reach that, there has to be some activity which helps to make that journey. If I don't bring in something, I'll constantly be feeling this gap, and one of the very difficult gaps of, of life, of feeling to be stuck with A, whatever A may be for us in our life. And having ideas or concepts or thoughts or whatever about B and feeling a gap. And in the gap, you and I can introduce and sustain that in that gap once again all manner of reasons why the journey from A to B can't be made. If it's in touch with our being and in touch with awareness, what we say may be a fiction. Some things there's some uh, limitations on, but in a hard clear look at ourselves and looking at that journey from uh, A to B there and we have a sense of what is potential uh, uh, with us. That gap, if it isn't challenged and looked at and worked with, will become a source of incredible discontent. But if we work with that challenge and we work with that, work with that gap, then something else can open up for us. And that could be something from within to where we like to move. That gap could be between oneself and another person or situation uh, which needs bridging and attending to. So our awareness in life and our exploration and our journey towards uh, liberated and uh, genuinely enlightened life does acknowledge and does recognize where there's gap and sees whether we can explore those kind of gaps to really transmute them, to transform them, to have a different sense of things. Otherwise, we're constantly in danger in our life of just believing in, the ki- in some kind of vacuum. 
and the self identifies with that and it believes in that vacuum. And the vacuum can persist for years. And sometimes we have people 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of age and, and say in inquiries that said uh, in small groups or one-to-one to, one to one, God, I had so much opportunity and uh, potential and I just feel now I wasted my life. And it may not be true but that despair that a person can feel when they feel that opportunity and exploration and just the ordinary every day the person never drew that potential out and then there's the passage of the years and then that despairing feeling and thought can, can, can arise and it's something to do and not easy but something to do with as it were, being at point A, sensing of point B, and living in that way with the assumption, I can't. The assumption, I can never. And we forget again and again how important the teachings and practices are. Is not <coughs> when we refer to ourselves to keep referring, <coughs> as so many do, in the terms of, I never, I can't. I haven't, uh, etc. But much more important to attend to what is. What actually is in the moment. When you and I keep speaking of lack of, absence of, not having, not knowing, not experiencing, when we keep doing that, we actually make our life extraordinarily hard. Therefore, we put the priority <coughs> on the connection with what is, we can draw more, as it were, and touch more upon that. And then, there's a certain vigilance when we refer to ourselves in the absence of. The absence of this experience, the absence of having this, the absence of not being able to do this, or whatever. But if it becomes a pattern, life becomes unhappy. It has to. We're not in touch with the truth, we're in, we're in touch with what we think is absent rather than the presence of things. And it's a tremendous practice uh, and act of awareness for us to stay steady with things, stay in touch with things, see where there is gaps, see where, there, where there's a, a, a vacuum, not identify with it and see what steps that we can make and to actually make sure, whatever they might be, that we actually make them. Therefore, freedom is coming out of the being. And the wonderful and sweet thing about this is that in going into this well and deeply, that what actually emerges out of our being is great kindness, out of warmth in life, genuine happiness in life, uh, 
deep sense of uh, being in touch with things. Because we've endeavoured, <coughs> not always easy, to stay true to what is. Stayed true to where we sense the potential to find ways to follow it through, even if it means one very short step, regularly. Sometimes the short steps, quietly, patiently, consistently, are the short steps to great liberation. And in that respect, it's not surprising that the Dharma speaks of the path to liberation, the path to enlightenment, the path to wisdom. Therefore, we come into the silence, we meditate, we stay with what is, and when appropriate and necessary, we actually ask ourselves, what steps do I need to make? And if we listen well, it will be clear, the action will come from it. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings fully participate in life. May all beings live with freedom and joy. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, please. <coughs>